Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Chris. I'm one of the elders here at Mercy Hill Church. And uh, I apologize for my voice. Uh, I woke up this morning and I felt like my face was falling off. Just nose running, sneezing for no reason. So if, uh, if I'm slurring my words, it's the medication. Uh, not like Tiger Woods medication, but uh, it's medication nonetheless. Um, it's good to be here. It's good to uh, get opportunities to teach. We can give Brad breaks. Um, and uh, we don't take it lightly, Jared and myself, so uh, thank you for that. So question for you, Jared kind of introduced uh, the sermon series that we're going to start this, this Sunday. Uh, sermon series entitled Soul Rest. Um, we learned through our Covenant Partners meeting that a lot of people are tired. Well, with tiredness comes busyness, or busyness causes tiredness, usually. So my question for you this morning is, is why are you busy? What is it that causes you to be so busy? Um, what, uh, what one thing, many things, is it uh, that causes you to be busy? We work an average, you know, the, uh, um, uh, an American works an average of 47 to 49 hours a week. Um, most, a lot of us in here work more than that. We commute to work in a car that we're working to pay off, leaving a, an empty house that we're working to pay off so that we can come back and sleep in that house. Uh, we take on projects because saying no isn't an option. We want to be a good employee. We want to be a good friend. We want to be a good uh, minister. We want to be a good servant. We, uh, a lot of us don't take our full vacation time. You know, some of us get two weeks, and, which is not a lot compared to the rest of the world, and, and a lot of us don't take those vacation times um, at, that we're given. Think about this, if you lost your job, why does depression usually follow? Because our identity and, and, and who we are, who we value ourselves to be is wrapped up in what we do. Um, all of this causes uh, busyness. Think about it today. What are you doing the rest of the day? What does the rest of your day look like? Thing after thing after thing. A lot of us don't take time to rest. A lot of us don't schedule rest within our day or within our week. And I'll be the first to stand here and say, that's me too. Um, this has been a difficult sermon to, to work on because of, because of that. But the reality is, is that what we're doing doesn't work. If we're busy, if we're exhausted, if we're tired, something's not working. And for all of us in here, we need to figure out what that is. We're probably looking for rest in the wrong places. We're looking for rest in our relationships or in uh, a nap or in some other thing that's not going to fulfill us, that's not going to give us the energy that we need to do the things that God has called us to do. So this sermon series is an invitation for the people of Mercy Hill Church to rest. Where grace abounds, where grace is all around us, where you can say no, where you don't feel like you have to be at everything that Mercy Hill has for you, that you can say no and you can rest in this season, and that we can learn as a community together what does it look like and what does it mean to rest in Jesus? Because that's, that's the reality. That's, the, that's where we want to be, and that's where we're trying to, to head. Um, the truth of the matter is, is, that, is that you and I are programmed to be busy. 
Like it's, we're wired to be busy. Um, we are, our default is to do things. So if we see something that is in front of us, we, we do it. Um, our default is to be legalists. So we want to have a list and we want to accomplish that list when either if, if I'm talking about a religious legalism or just a everyday task, we want to accomplish things because we gain value in accomplishing things. And so this morning, I hope that as we, as we look at scripture and as we kind of launch us into this sermon series that all of us can one, see the problem and two, see a solution and then and maybe Maybe we head in that direction starting this Sunday and then the weeks to come as we study what it looks like to rest and commune in Jesus. Um, this week is just the beginning. I'm not going to answer all, your, all the questions that we have about this. I'm not going to give you all the answers. Um, so I would, I would beg you and ask you to be here the next four weeks to listen if you're not here, to listen to the sermon, and really uh, begin praying now. Uh, I'm going to give you homework before we leave tonight, today, this morning. Um, so begin praying now. What does it look like in your life to rest and to find those things in your life that you can say no to and really rest? All right. This morning our text is Matthew 25. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. And I'm going to read it. And we're going to dig in. Verse 14. It's the parable of the talents. For it, being the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has, who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast this worthless servant into the outer darkness. 
In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I know what you're thinking. How in the world does this have anything to do with rest? Well, it introduces to us one of the problems that we, when we think about rest, that we have. So let me summarize really quick, and it's pretty straightforward, but Jesus is teaching and he tells the story of, of three servants. One servant he gives five talents, his master gives five talents, one servant he gives two, and one servant he gives one. And the, the, the man, the servant with five talents, he goes and trades and he makes five more. Two, the, the servant with two talents does the same thing, and the, talent, the servant with one talent digs a hole, buries it, and comes back with one. So the first two, they've doubled their investment. And the, the, the last guy didn't do anything. Um, in fact, Scripture calls him a slothful servant. The master calls him a slothful servant, which isn't a good thing. Uh, that's not good. So the, the master comes back, and, and, and the, the first servant who had five, he gives him back to the, to the master. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, what you've done with this, I'll give you more because you have done, done good. Same with the servant with two, but then the last one, not so, not so good. The guy uh, says, I knew you to be, to be a hard man, to be difficult, to be scary, therefore I feared that I didn't want to lose your money and take chances, and therefore I just buried it in the ground, and when you came back, I gave you the one. Which for us may seem like a safe decision, but the, the master didn't like that decision, and the master said, uh, how, how foolish of you, you slothful servant, how dare you? And he takes the, the one away from him, gives it to the one with ten, and, and casts the, the servant out for being disobedient. So here's the, here's the, 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 the question then. Um, how does this, or what does this have to do with rest? Well, the first thing we need to know about rest is that work is going to continue. Work does not stop. So if you're thinking of rest in a way of not working, that's not going to happen. In fact, when we were created, when mankind and humankind was created, he was created in order to work in the garden, to, to take manage of the garden that God had placed him in. Therefore, when we are in heaven, we're going to be working. Working does not stop. What, what, what made work so difficult is sin entering the world. The curse entered the world, and that disrupted the harmony that God had with man and work. So now, because of sin, we, we gain our identity in what we do instead of what we, who we are with God, communing with Him. So guys, if you want to rest from work, from doing things, that's not what we're really talking about this morning or in these next few weeks of, of this sermon series. We're talking about soul rest. We're talking about rest of the heart. We're talking about um, rest that, that gives us energy, not just replenishes uh, what, we're, what we're lost throughout the day, the energy or whatever we've lost throughout the day. So there's nowhere in Scripture that says that we're not going to work. There's nowhere in Scripture that says stop working, push pause, stop doing what you're doing. Um, in fact, uh, the man who didn't do anything in this parable was called a slothful servant, a lazy servant, a slow, uh, awful, choice-making servant. So the language is hard here. 
So this creates in us, though, tension. There's tension here for us because, one, we want to rest. We know we're called to rest. We're called to rest in Jesus. And at the same time, we're supposed to do. So how does this work? For you and I, tension is good. Because tension puts us in that, that place where we need Jesus. We need Jesus to help. We need Jesus to, to clearly communicate to us, to, to show us. We need the Spirit to, to lead us in those moments of tension. So for us, what is this work then that, uh, that here, this, this parable gives us an example of, and two, the, the work that we're supposed to continue to do. Um, and that obviously is our everyday work. But using this scripture is to be fruitful. You and I are supposed to be fruitful. We're supposed to be um, trees that bear fruit. We're supposed to be people who take, in, take five and make ten. People who take two and make four. Um, we're commanded to do that. Now I realize I'm talking more spiritually than, than this physical world, but we can get rest from uh, the spiritual into the physical. So don't, don't dismiss what I'm saying. Here's a question for you. All, most of us in here have been Christians for some time. So how do you show maturity in Christ? So think about this question. So how do you, how do you portray being mature in Christ, being uh, a, a strong leader, a strong Christian, a, a Christian who's rooted in Scripture? A lot of us, we want to portray that we have everything together. Like all of our, all of our areas of life are in order. So our, our work life doesn't stress us out too much. It doesn't stretch us too much. Our personal family life, all our kids are, are obedient and, and we're handling it really well and like we don't screw, screw up. And um, We want to portray that, um, that we can, we can uh, portray this great picture of, of having all the answers on social media and really putting things forward so people can think and um, we want to uh, pray loud and, and pray for, uh, for people around us and, and all these things. We want to be involved in church. This is how we communicate or show that we're mature believers. Well, all of those things are good, but those things are rooted in, a lot of it is rooted in us. How can we do these things? How can I portray these things? But the reality is, is that, that Jesus teaches something completely different. In a familiar verse, John 15, Jesus talks about the, the, the vine and the branches. And he, Jesus says in verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. So we are branches coming off the tree or coming off the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can bear no fruit. So the question, the question isn't... Um, how hard we work, if we're a vine, a vine just bears fruit. A vine doesn't struggle to, to squeeze the apple out. It just does. So to communicate, 
or to try to portray all these things that we're doing that we're placing value in to show that we have accomplished things or to show that we have everything together is just a waste of time and it's a waste of energy which causes us to be tired, which causes us or can cause us to, to need rest. We've turned uh, into, into human doings instead of human beings. I didn't make that up, I stole that, but... We've turned, we've turned into human doings instead of human beings. See, a branch is just a, a, a branch is just a, it's just, it's just be, it's just a, it just is. A branch doesn't try to be a root. A branch doesn't try to be a, a, something else. A branch is a branch. And you and I are branches, scripture says. In, uh, in, in, in his book, Building a, Dis a Discipling Culture, Mike Brain says, it is not our energy and, de and determination that impresses God. It is not our energy and determination that impresses God. It is our living in, in a manner in which he made us that will provide the fruit he intends for us to bear. So what impresses God, and I don't, that's not the, the impresses that, uh, that you and I are trying to do around people. But what uh, impresses God is us doing what we were created to do. Not these other things, not these, these activities that we put on ourselves to try to gain and accomplish value. A branch is most a branch when it bears fruit. That's when a branch is a branch. Not, not by, by squeezing it out, not by toil and hard work and, and extra energy. It's a natural occurrence. It's not trying to add more mature activities in its life so that people around that branch say, man, that branch has got it together. The branch is just a branch. And you and I, are to be and not to do so much. See, our, our doing comes from our being and not the other way around, because we have it mixed up. We want to do things in order to be something, but Jesus says you are something, therefore you do something, and you do something in the power that I have given you in Christ. That's what God has called us to, and that's how we get this whole thing messed, messed, um, mixed up. Because we're, we're trying to do things in order to gain God's favor. We're trying to do things in order to gain other people's value in our lives and gain that accomplishment and gain that, that value. Our doing comes from our being. This is, we have it mixed up, which is why we prove ourselves to everyone and try to prove ourselves through our work. We try to prove ourselves through our ministry. We try to prove ourselves through, through how late we stay up working or how, how much we, we help other people or how much, and, and we let people know about it. We have this mixed up because we have this, this need to, to achieve something, this need to, to accomplish something big. We know we have this mixed up when, when we're constantly on edge about our circumstances. We're constantly on edge about, about what may happen that we don't even know could happen. We're on edge around people because what ifs. 
We're obsessed over it. We're haunted by the fear of failure. We're full of, full of regrets and fears and, and have blind and empty longings. This is how, this is evidence of us having it mixed up. That we're trying to, to do something to gain God's favor, to try to do something to gain other people's favor. Because we, we want everyone to think that none of, none of those true things that Jesus talks about, none of those things about being messed up, sinners, none of that is really happening because we really have it all together. And the reality is, is when we stop, we stop trying to be something that we're not and acknowledge who we are in Christ, rest can happen. Soul rest can happen. How about this week? How did your week turn out being without? Those of us in here who, had, who did not have power, how, how much did you get accomplished? I, we, had, we didn't have power for four days. And in those four days, we moved and unboxed boxes, and I tried to work. But I'll just be honest with you, I didn't work much. It was really difficult to work for me. So there were things that I didn't get accomplished, and it stressed me out. I'm not able to, to be here, or I'm not able to do this, or I'm not able to... I got riled up because, because of electricity, because the circumstances of my life. I allowed the circumstances to, 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 to destroy my heart in the way that I even treated my family. Because my value was in myself. My value that I placed was in what I was trying to get done. How much can I get done in these five, six days? How long do I have to work? I was placing value in, in the wrong place. But Jesus says you're a, you're, a, you're, a, you're a branch and you're attached to the vine and I am the vine. Your value is what the vine's value is, not what anybody, any outside thing is. We try to justify our worth through our busyness. And we have to be honest about that. We have to be honest. How busy we are, how many, uh, you know, how many diapers we change, how many uh, kids can we get out the door, how many kids can we have in our house. We, we justify our value and our worth through our busyness. And all that is is self-justification. We think that we're justified by ourselves and what we do. And how much I can get accomplished in those 12 to 20 hours in a day, whatever it is. If this is true, though, if this is what we're trying to do, what kind of, what kind of God are we serving? What kind of God are we serving if, if we have to, to do so many things in order to gain his favor? Because that's what we're doing in our heads. When we're trying to justify our, our worth. We're really trying to say, I'm better than I was. I'm better than, than what I could be. Therefore, you should love me. Therefore, you should have favor for me. Therefore, you should take care of me. What kind of God is that? That, that kind of God is, is a God who's, who's, who's uh, difficult to understand. He's difficult to, to get on his side. He's, he's difficult because, because if we're honest, 
or human beings, we can do the right thing and do the right thing and do the right thing and then we've lapse of judgment or one bad choice or whatever and we fail and therefore it's all washed away. Now we start over. Doesn't work. It reminds me of a character in Greek mythology. Some of you guys may know this. Uh, King Sisyphus. You guys are familiar with King Sisyphus? No? Okay. Uh, king Sisyphus was, was a king and he was a crafty king. Very crafty. In fact, he was supposed to die several times, but he kept manipulating the situation to live a little longer. Well, when he finally went to, to Hades, his pen, punishment was, when they finally got him, his punishment was to, to push a boulder up a hill, and, and just as it got to the top, the boulder rolled back down. And it was this eternal punishment for his, uh, his life that he lived. So it was a repeated push the boulder up, and then it rolled back down. And then he pushed the boulder up again, and it rolled back down. When we're trying to, to do things to gain the favor of this God that we think we understand, this is, that's us. We're like Sisyphus trying to push that boulder up, and then the boulder rolls back down, and pushes it back up, and it rolls back down. It's, you're never going to get to the top. You're never going to get there. You and I have a choice. We have a choice every day. We have a choice this morning. Are we going to be like Sisyphus and try to accomplish things and, and gain our value in that? Or are we going to be the branch, the vine, attached to the vine that God tells us we are in John 15? But see, here's, here's the problem with our text this morning, or in, in our text this morning, is, is the third servant, he had a wrong understanding of who his master was. Because he says, you are a hard man. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow. But the first two servants didn't see anything like that. In fact, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will give you over much. I'm giving you so much more. And then he says, enter into the joy of your master. In other words, join me in celebrating. Be part of my joy. That is not a hard man. That is not a cruel master that this third servant thought that he was serving. So for us this morning, not only do we need to understand that work is going to continue, that work does not stop, but secondly, we need to understand that we must have a proper view of our master. Otherwise, resting in the Lord doesn't happen because we see him as, as judge or we see him as this cruel God who is weighing our good and our bad, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. This third servant didn't have the right understanding. He didn't have a right understanding, and then that, that wrong understanding of his master caused him to be in fear. Well, we read this morning, and in, in, uh, Andrew read this morning in Romans 8, there is no fear in the Lord. We should not be scared. We must understand that and know 
with confidence that, that God the Father is pleased with us. That he is, he is pleased with us and that he, he accepts us, no strings attached. We don't have to do anything. It's not, I love you, but. It's, I love you. He's pleased with us. He accepts us. He cares about you. He loves you. All because of Christ. Jesus' work on the cross is complete. It's not almost there or sort of there. It's all there. In, in Tim Chester's book, The Busy Christian's Guide to Busyness, he quotes a man named Bruce Mill, and this is what he says. The Christian is called to affirm the completeness and sufficiency of Christ and sacrifice by trusting in it constantly and by exhibiting the peace and confidence which are the fruit of such a trust. I'm going to read that again. The Christian is called to affirm the completeness and sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice by trusting in it constantly and by exhibiting the peace and confidence which are the fruit of such a trust. Our often strained and frenetic forms of Christian life are witness to how much we need to affirm again with Jesus, it is accomplished. So what he's saying is, is that, that our call, we should affirm the complete total sacrifice of Jesus on the cross over and over and over in our lives because when we do and when we remind ourselves of that and when we remind one another of that, we will have no desire to, to do any more to gain his favor because we know that his love is complete. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Sorry, I don't have these on the screen, so I'm, I'm going to ask you guys to turn there in your Bibles when you're on your phones. So think about your life for a minute. Think about how busy you are. Think about why you're busy. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Now, does that sound familiar? Now, obviously, you guys aren't, we're not making sacrifices, so, and we're talking about something completely different in, 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 the, in, the, in the temple, but daily and repeatedly, the same sacrifices over and over. This is what the priests are doing, or were doing. Does that sound familiar in your life where you're just constantly busy, constantly doing things? Whatever the reason may be, whatever the, the drive within you is, the purpose that you feel. But read verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. A single sacrifice. We are being perfected by the work of Jesus on the cross, by the completed work of Jesus on the cross. So before Christ, the priest would have to constantly and repeatedly make sacrifices for the people of Israel. 
there would be no end. It would just completely go and go. And then because of Christ, because of the complete and total sacrifice of Christ, paying for the sins of his people, paying for the sins of you and I in this room, there is no more priests repeatedly doing the work of sacrifices over and over. And you and I can rest in the fact that because of Jesus' completed work on the cross, we don't have to do anything to earn God's favor. We have it. That's what grace is. We have it. You have been and are being perfected by His sacrifice, not by our or your value that you place on yourselves. Our identity is rooted in Christ, not, not in our sacrifices and not, not in our devotion to Him or not how hard we work. This, this should free us to take risks, to take chances for the kingdom, frees us to, to not live in fear like the third servant. Now, I know some of you guys in here feel good about being busy. Uh, you take pleasure in, in getting a lot accomplished. You're, my wife is a list maker. And I was talking to Michael. Michael, you're a list maker. It feels good to knock those things off the list. I know. I'm not a list maker. I just have a list in my head. But, and usually, it usually bites me. But nonetheless, it feels good to get things accomplished. And I understand that. But, but doing that... That, that, that joy or that, that pleasure we get is, is, isn't going to last. It doesn't last. It's, it's, it's a fleeting joy. Because what happens when, when we now have more tasks to do? Well, we just work again, and, and then we get pleasure, and then we work again, and it just doesn't work. And it's rooted in, in our self-worship and our, our self-justification and, and our self-value uh, that we place. And, but doing as, as the master intended, like the branch, we're like the servants here, it brings joy. It brings eternal joy that, that does not waver, does not change, does, is not affected by our circumstances. This joy that, that sustains us. In verse Matthew 25, verse 21 and 23, uh, enter into the joy of your master. He invites us into that joy. If we do as we were intended, as we were created to do, he invites us into that joy to be part of the, the, the celebration, to celebrate with the Father that, that he is pleased with us. In Christ Jesus, he is pleased with you and with me. We cannot forget that. God the Father is pleased with us in Christ. So not only does work, the work doesn't stop, and not only do we need to have a proper view of the Master, but thirdly, and this is a question, what does rest look like then? So what does rest look like? And what we have to do is we have to look in the right place. See, a lot of us, a lot of us work five or six days, and then we try to take a break to recoup from the work that we've been doing. And the reality is, is that God placed an example for us that's, that's different than that. When we were created, when mankind was created in the garden on the sixth day, he finished creating us, and then, and then on the seventh day, God rested. Which means that our first day alive was a day of rest. 
Now you can read into that and go, well, that's just circumstantial. Well, I don't believe in any circumstantial things in Scripture. They're there for a reason. And God certainly didn't rest because he was tired. God is, 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 a, is an all-powerful uh, being. He doesn't get tired. So why did he rest? And, and I believe he rested to give us an example. Like, we should rest and then work. But, but we have it backwards, like a lot of things we have backwards. We work in order to rest. Like, I just got to get to Friday. Just got to get to the lake. Just got to, whatever, I'm working hard in order that I can get, get there. And then, and then we take a break. But what if we did it the opposite, where we rested and then we worked? So we worked out of our rest, out of our understanding of our acceptance in Christ, out of our understanding that he is pleased with us, out of our um, out of the facts that, that he is a good God, a good Father, who loves us. What if we worked out of that truth instead of, I gotta work in order to gain God's favor, I gotta do things in order to gain value, I gotta accomplish a lot of things in order for people to look at me and say, man, that guy's got it all together, or that girl's got it. It's tough, it's tough. So what does rest look like then? So for some of us, maybe rest looks like repentance. That maybe God's calling you to repent this morning. Maybe he's calling you to repent of, of the idolatry of, of self, of worshiping yourself, of, of placing value above yourself, above anything else. Maybe we need to repent of the, the need to, to do things. Maybe we need to repent from believing that, that we earn God's favor and His love and, and His pleasure by accomplishing things, by, by acting like we have everything together. Because remember, I said at the beginning, like, we are inviting you, we as the elders are inviting you to say no, that there's lots of grace around. Say no to accomplishing things that you think you have to get done for the kingdom. Say no to the thing because grace is here. We're in, a, in a, an ocean of grace together. Maybe you need to repent of not believing who God says he is. Now here's, here's the trick though with repentance. And, and it really is a trick when we're talking about rest and, and work. So repentance Repentance is, is turning from one thing, right? Turning from our sin and replacing it with another, with something else. It's not, just, it's not just turning and walking the other way. It's I'm walking towards sin and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk towards God's faith, God's love. I'm going to walk towards worshiping God because I know he, he, he loves me and he accepts me. Well, the, 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 tr the, the trick here for us is that, is that when, we, when we think about rest, we want to, okay, say no to something and then fill it with something else, right? We want to, uh, I'm going to say no to, to that meeting on Thursday, Thursday and I'm just going to, I'm going to be with my family and we're going to go somewhere. Well, that may be what you need to do, but maybe not. Maybe you just need to go somewhere and be somewhere and be quiet. So... Be careful when you're thinking about rest and, 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 and repentance here because um, 
We don't wanna, we don't wanna say no to something so that we can do something else. That's counterproductive here for all of us. So for some of us, maybe rest looks like giving up some things. Maybe it looks like prioritizing things differently. Maybe it looks like um, putting more, more time into uh, your hobby instead of more time in uh, work or, or whatever. For some of us, maybe rest looks like in more time in the Word. Now, I'm not trying to, to say one is more important than the other, but being in the Word is very important. It's vital to, to, the, to, to the believer. We need to know Scripture. We need to be able to meditate on Scripture. We need to understand it. So for some of us, maybe it's spending more time in Scripture and sacrificing our, our, uh, our sleep even, getting up earlier, because that's the, one of the quandaries of rest is that maybe it's not necessarily sleep we need. Maybe we need to be with Jesus more. Maybe for some of us it's waiting. Psalm 130. Last thing I'm going to ask you to turn to. Turn to Psalm 130. Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his hope, in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Maybe rest for you is just waiting. It's just waiting. What is the Lord trying to tell you? What is He trying to teach you? What is He trying to show you? And just waiting for that. Maybe that's what rest is for you in this season. Just to stop our, our frantic activities, to stop trying to achieve or gain value and just wait. But we wait knowing that there is forgiveness, knowing that they are steadfast love for us. And for some, maybe, maybe rest is changing the rhythms in, in your MC for the next few weeks. MC leaders in here. Maybe it's, maybe it's doing that. And these are just a, a few examples. So your homework assignment this week is to answer the question, what does rest look like for, for me? Answer the question this week, what is, and ask God to show you, what does rest look like in my life right now? What is the Lord trying to show me? Because the reality is, and, is that rest is a necessity. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Take the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. And there's a reason for that. Because we can't continue to do what we're doing and try to, to we can't continue to, to earn God's favor. We can't continue to do any of those things. Our bodies aren't made that way. And God has put in, in us a, a need to rest. 
And he's provided a way for us to rest in Christ. Next week, Jared's going to talk about communing with Christ. And what does that look like? What does it really look like to, to, to sit in the truths of Scripture and the truths of who Christ is? To be in communion with Him and relationship with Him in so much that, that, that we know His heart and He knows our heart and we're one with Him. We need Jesus more to accomplish the work He's called us to do, to even rest this morning. So my prayer this morning is, one, that you would answer that question, what does rest look like in your life? And two, that you would find rest, even today. Whether that's a 20-minute nap, or, a, or a, it's raining outside, but a, an hour walk in the rain with an umbrella. Whatever it may be, that you would find rest. Because one of the things we did, and, and Brad mentioned this in his emails, is we moved to this building to kind of take the, 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 the stress out of everyone here. We moved to this building because we felt like this was God leading us. It would make things easier on us, set up, break down, and, and, and those things. And I think it's happening. But, but we're good at just filling those gaps with other things. I'll just get here later, or I'll just do this, or, or whatever. And, and we, want, we want all of us, the elders included, and everybody in this room, and everybody who's not here, to be healthy disciple-makers. And that, that happens when we, when we trust in the finished work of Jesus, and when we acknowledge that we can't do it all, and that we need Him to help. So, let me pray for us. God, we know that you are, we, we know that you're good, and we know that you love us, and that you are for us, and that you are pleased with us in Christ Jesus. And God, we ask now that you would show us what we need to know in order to find rest. God, we know that the Christian life is, is to be a life of repentance. And there's so many things that we just believe. So many things that we think we need to do. Help us to repent. Your word says it's your kindness that leads to repentance. Help us to repent this morning. Repent of believing that our value is what we do. Our value is not in what we do. It's what Christ has done. So God, help us to, to know that and to believe it. We ask God that you would give us moments of rest even today, even on a rainy Sunday afternoon, that we can be replenished and, and we can be uh, encouraged and just find joy in you and you alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.